Hi there, I'm Bart and this is Tech in Seoul. Tech in Seoul is the first podcast on tech and startups in Korea. In partnership with La French Tech, we meet startup founders, entrepreneurs, investors, VCs, and other players of the local and international tech industry. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you will enjoy this podcast. Today I'm with Lin Wang. He's the co-founder and CEO at Damogu. Hi, Lin. Thanks for being with us today. Um, so you are the co-founder and CEO at uh, Damago. So my first question is going to be, what is Damago? So uh, that's actually an interesting question because we started one way and we kind of uh, had add-ons and, and, and pivots. So when we first started, um, uh, basically our, our, our mission is to really reduce the amount of uh, wasted food, not just food mm -hmm. waste, but wasted food. And when I say wasted food, food that's perfectly good to eat and it's it, there's nothing wrong with it but a lot of it goes to waste you know one third of all the food produced in this world actually it gets thrown away and um so what we do is uh, we're a mobile app and the way mm -hmm. we started uh was on the b2c side so you know it, we would work with bait restaurants bakeries grocery stores hotel buffets uh if you think about being at a bakery near closing time, you'll notice that there's still usually a lot of baked good pastries, croissants um, still on the shelves. And if they don't sell it, they're typically gonna throw it away. It's a waste. There's nothing wrong with yeah. it. So um, this is happening at obviously hotel buffets, breakfast places, lunch places, you know, just you name the place, grocery stores. What we do is we partner with them. And instead of them uh, throwing this food away, uh, we, they can upload it to our app near closing time and they can sell it for typically half price and any users around the area or by location will buy it and come pick it up and um you know it's obviously uh no food waste and uh the restaurants and uh, the grocery stores and they're all getting extra revenue so and also they're getting you know some pretty good branding because they're doing something um active to reduce their food waste so it's a huge win-win for everybody including the planet obviously because there's less waste less methane gas, less, less greenhouse gases. Uh, so that, that's how we started. And uh, we started here in Korea in 2019. Um, our intent was to start in Korea and move, move over to Southeast Asia. My co-founder Faras is from Indonesia. We met mm -hmm. here in Korea. We changed a little bit. Uh, so we decided to just focus on Indonesia. So we did that last year. We made the changes and started focusing on Indonesia. But then as we were pilot testing, um, farmers heard about us, local farmers in Indonesia, and they said, hey, we also have problems with wasting our harvest, fruit and vegetables. Um, and we found out the stat is uh, 30 to 40% of every harvest goes unharvested or gets thrown away. And a lot of it is uh, because of these imperfect or ugly fruit and vegetables that grocery stores don't want and, and, mm -hmm. and distributors don't want. So we, we explored it and we found out that our current restaurant partners, hotel partners, they wanted it because it was cheaper and the cosmetic damage or cosmetic imperfections didn't really matter to them. Yeah. Um, so we started selling those to our restaurant partners and that, start, that part really started growing for us. And now our focus is more on that uh, B2B side of selling to our business partners. And uh, so, you know, we're still continuing to reduce food waste and uh, with our platform, as we grow, we are trying to also create awareness because not that many people know about what's going on in the industry 
food industry of, of, of all this waste of perfectly good food. And um, we're trying to create more awareness and, and have people waste less. So, so but are, are you still doing the B2C business or are you completely switched to this B2B activity? We are still doing B2C, but it's very little, uh, with very little focus on it. And the B2C side, soon we will probably completely shift over just to the B2B. Uh, but in the future, you know, we will, we will look to bring back the B2C once our B2B is uh, kind of rolling. Okay, so why did you switch country and why did you switch B2C, B2B? Is it because you couldn't get funding or is there another reason? Because that sounds like a good idea anyway. Right, so uh, the reason why we switched countries was, um, so our, our plan was to start in Korea because we were already here, my co-founder and I met here in Korea um, and I had, you know, I, I, I have uh, quite a, uh, th more than 13 years of experience in the food industry, not just in Korea, but, you know, mostly in the States and globally and also in Korea at all levels. And so in Korea, I had a really, really strong network of contacts in the food industry. And um, since we were here in Korea, we started here. And our plan was to start in Korea, gain some traction, raise, uh, raise some money, and use that money to scale our business in Korea. And then after we scale in Korea, then we would enter Southeast Asia, well, starting with Indonesia, because my co-founder is from there and he has really good contacts, uh, which would be the bigger pie because it's a much bigger market. Yeah, it's also uh, a huge market, right? <laughs> huge market, right. So as we operated for about eight, nine months, we realized a few things. Uh, one of the things we realized was that even though there was no kind of startup like ours in Korea, there was actually one other that's kind of similar. Um, even though there was, there was only one other, uh, you know, we, we said, okay, so we have this one other competitor, a direct competitor. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we you know, it's, it's only one competitor. So, you know, um, we felt like we can compete. But as we we're operating, we realized they're not the only direct competitors. As you probably know, in Korea, there's tons of food apps. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about just delivery apps, but there's food discount apps and all these different kinds of food apps. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hugely saturated in Korea. And, uh, so we realized that every single food app that works with F&B and restaurant establishments are our direct competitors because we're directly competing to onboard them as partners. And um, in Korea, because of the high fees, a lot of these food apps charge and kind of the cultural part of Korea where it's, you know, kind of defensive. If they don't know you and you ask, you say, I have this product. It's, it's very uh, defensive in nature. So as we were talking to it, and our product is a win-win. I mean, they're making extra money. There's, we have, we, we don't take, we, we take commissions off every sale. So they, we only take money when they make money. Um, and this is money that they would have not made. So the, the first part was kind of when we started talking to potential partners, the first impression was, oh my God, another food app to take our money. And, um, you know, like it, it just, what do they want? Right. So. That was, that was a huge um, difficult, a huge barrier for us. In the beginning, it wasn't much of a barrier because I had a lot of contacts and there were people I knew and they, they came on board. But after that ran out, it was really difficult. And then we realized, hold on, if we raise money and if we raise money, most of the money is going to go to user acquisition, partner acquisition, marketing. And at the end of the day, we will get a small piece of a relatively small market here in South Korea. So we said, you know what? Our product is already working. We already have a lot of good contacts in Indonesia. 
why, we don't have to scale Korea. We could just go right to Indonesia. And in addition, that money we raise is going to go four or five times longer because of the uh, lower costs in Indonesia. So that's what we decided to do a year ago. And we said, you know what? It, it's just, even if we get a small percent, a small piece of Indonesia market, it's just such a huge market that it's bigger than what we can do in South Korea. So that's the reason why we switched over to Indonesia. So, and so we, that's why yeah, you, you switched the country. Uh, just, just a question before you go on. Um, and a global app like uh, Too Good To Go, they're not mm -hmm. a competitor? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they? Too Good To Go uh, is the biggest one. Um, they're not in Indonesia. Uh, they're not in Southeast Asia or Asia. Okay. Um, I don't know if they have plans to do so, but I know they're, they're pretty much uh, all over Europe and they entered North America and uh, they, they raised quite a bit of money. So yeah, uh, if they entered, you know, if they entered uh, Southeast Asia, obviously they would be a competitor on our B2C side. But right now, as far as I know, they're still doing uh, B2C. B2C, so, yeah. And and in on another hand, they are validating your market, your business model, right? Because they're, they're doing the same. So you can also show like uh, that it's working somewhere else uh, with other people. So at this time you switch to Indonesia, but you're still on the B2C, correct? At, mm -hmm. at this stage, right? Uh, well, in the beginning, which we, the beginning, switched yeah. Yeah, we switched over to Indonesia, started pilot testing in May of last year, uh, 2020. And uh, as we were pilot testing, we pilot tested for three months. Probably sometime in July, August is when farmers started contacting us. And then we started exploring that B2B side. And that B2B side, starting, starting immediately in August, then September, October, um, our revenue just started growing. And uh, to the point where our revenue was probably at least 95%, closer to 98% of our revenue was on the B2B side. Uh, so, and that B2B side was just continued to grow over the, you know, over the first few months. And we said, we have to focus on it. It's okay. what's working. So basically you connect the food and beverage uh, with the farmers, right? And they buy their products, even if the products are not good looking because they don't care, they're going to, they're going to use them for recipes and stuff. Um, so they sell them at a cheaper price, maybe. And your, your business model is the same. You're, you're taking a commission. Uh, no, we actually, uh, we actually uh, put it, we put a, we're pretty much a distributor. So we, we, we're a supplier distributor. We put a margin, a profit margin. Uh, we purchased, we purchased it from the farmers. And we put you a buy from margin. the farmers. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. You buy and you resell. So you're taking the risk of, of some uh, wasted food in a way. Well, well it's actually uh, demand driven. So we get the orders from the restaurant partners and we buy exactly what they want, exactly the quantities they want. So, okay. Okay. So, you know, sm several small restaurants will order, you know, five kilos here, ten kilos there, and we'll compile the orders, and 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 get it, and we'll repack re it, and then we'll we'll do we'll do our own logistics too, so we deliver it the next day. Um, so yeah, and and all that was manual until very recently. It was manual through WhatsApp, phone calls, emails, the ordering, but we just finally released a feature where um, all of our partners can easily manage the orders. I mean, it takes seconds. Uh, to, to order through our app and um, it'll, just make, it'll make things so much easier. There's no more phone calls and emails and, and you know, all the invoicing is there right on the app. Uh, all the pricing is transparent. And we're also actually, we're also allowing our restaurant partners to list their other current suppliers so they can manage the ordering of their other current suppliers on our app. And um, you know, these suppliers, we're not competing with these suppliers. They could be suppliers of sauces or seafood, or we're doing just fruit and vegetables. 
Uh, we actually also doing a couple of meats working with processors, but um, like on the packaging sauce and seafood side, we're not touching that. So if they want to bring their suppliers or if they want to manage their suppliers on our app, they're more than, you know, more than free to do so. And there's no cost to it. So we're, we're testing this now with a lot of our big FMB partners. Uh, and they're very excited about it because what we have now, what we just released, it makes the management of procurement and, and managing of suppliers so much easier because it was very traditionally, uh, it, was, it, was, it was the way it's been for a long time with phone calls and paper invoices and, and now we're digitizing it. Yeah. So on the, um, on the FNB partners, it makes sense, right? They're using your app, but I guess not every farmer in Indonesia is also using the app, right? So on that side, it's still like on a, on a, on a uh, physical relationship or on the phone or. Yeah. So we're currently working. Uh, that, that, that's the difficult part because a lot of the farmers don't have smartphones. Some of them, most yeah. of them have uh, mobile phones now in Indonesia, but a lot of them don't have smartphones. So what, we, what we're doing is uh, we actually work with several, we actually have, um, most of the local farmers know each other. So we have, there's typically one person that does have a smartphone. So that one person kind of acts as that bridge for us or as that kind of lead and everything okay. goes to that person. And uh, that, of course, that person makes a little bit extra as well. Okay, so one of them will, will gather for their, their community, will be like kind of a community leader, right? For some, right. some farmers. Okay, right. interesting. Do you think that this, um, this business is uh, replicable to other countries in the region and which one? For sure. Uh, like we were looking, a, we wanted to look into Vietnam and the Philippines and, um, or Thailand. Uh, but recently we, we've gotten some really good contacts in the startup scene, the startup ecosystem in Bangladesh and Uh, from what we've heard, it's kind of similar to Indonesia and, and it's growing over there too. So they have a need for something like what we're building and what we have right now too. So uh, those are some, some of the countries that we'll probably be looking at. Yeah, that's a huge market too, I guess, in term of, at least in terms of population, right? So in terms right. of farmers. Um, and right now your team is all based in Korea. No, um, my entire team is based in Indonesia. Uh, the only, it's in Korea, it's only me, uh, myself and an intern. But I'm also going to be based in Indonesia very soon. Okay, so your co-founder moved to uh, back to yep. Indonesia, right? We moved back there uh, just over a year ago. Okay, so do you think Indonesia is going to be your like your headquarters, or you still keep the headquarters in Korea? We'll still we'll still have uh, we'll still have an office here, uh, but an inactive office. Um, it, it, our headquarters is going to be in Indonesia. Our B2B, we will probably bring it back to Korea, especially since uh, on the B2B side in Korea, I have um, quite a few uh, relationships with a lot of uh, big distributors and importers. And, and we, I've spoken to them in the past about something like this. So there's a lot of interest. Okay. Are you uh, bootstrapping or fundraising? Uh, we're boot, we're boot, we are fundraising right now. We've been bootstrapping. We actually did raise some money, a family and friends round, and I got a loan um, a few, a couple of years ago when we started, uh, mm -hmm. but we've been bootstrapping since then and uh, we're raising our seed round right now and um, we're close to closing it. There's a little bit of room left. So we're trying to finish that out. It's been about five, six months since we've been fundraising and it's been uh, quite uh, the stressful. <laughs> I guess so. How much are you raising? Can you tell us? We're raising 450,000 US. Okay. Seed round. Your investors are in Indonesia, in Korea, in Singapore? Um, currently, our, our, our committed investors are uh, Indonesia, the US, and Korea. 
Okay, all of them. Yep, yep. Uh, nice one. So, so when did you launch? Uh, in Indonesia, we launched last August. Okay, and the company started before that, like two two years ago. You said. Uh, and we yeah we incorporated in Korea in 2018 September 2018. So it's a uh, almost three years since we incorporated our first company in Korea. Okay. And the, so the, the, the raised money will be used first to develop Indonesia or to start already going global? It will be used for Indonesia. So uh, we, have, we have a team of uh, 23 right now, uh, but we, we need a lot more. So we need a lot more developers, a lot more, uh, we need some C-level people. And, that, and it would help us really expand our current operations in Indonesia. Uh, you know, we're doing, uh, our revenue has been growing, but with uh, the seed round, it'll just take us to another level. Uh, and including the seed round, we do have a strategic investor that's a, 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 a large spring bottled water company, uh, one of the big ones in central Indonesia. And uh, they, they will, will, have, will have access to all their B2B clients and their marketing and sales and logistics. And that itself is going to help us scale very quickly. So we're super excited to be close, hopefully closing our seed round very soon. And um, was it a request from your investors to move to Indonesia or they were ready to invest wherever the headquarters are? Um, it, I, the, the big draw was Indonesia. After we, you know, after we started Indonesia, it was uh, the market potential there, uh, the network that we have there, and, um, and also us just really start, start to get traction very early. Uh, it was just a very exciting. It's very, very exciting for our, our investors and, and um, with what we have in plans too, after we grow our B2B and what we can do in the future, uh, I think our investors are very excited for where we can go. So they were excited with the market, right? But not necessarily asking you to put your, your company in one country or the, or the other? Correct, correct. Okay, okay. So in terms of background, you are a Korean American, right? Or right. how do you define yourself, American? Yep, Korean American, uh, born and raised in the States, ethnically Korean, my parents are from Korea. Um, I, uh, I, I, I originally wanted to go into investment banking. I worked for an investment bank in operations on, um, uh, out of university. And uh, I decided to do my MBA because I wanted to go to the investment banking side. Uh, at that time, at that time I, I visited my father who had been in the food industry in the States for a long time. He had moved to uh, a, a rural, rural Maryland, the state of Maryland, uh, not far from Washington, D.C., and he had bought a small seafood factory. He wanted to retire out there. And um, I, I went there before I graduated my MBA and I saw some, I saw a lot of opportunity. So I pretty much forced him to let me help him grow the company. Uh, he didn't want me to at first, but I, I kind of forced, <laughs> I forced my way in. And uh, I ended up growing the company by about six, 700% in a few years. Uh, we had a second factory and uh, we were, you know, we, were, we had fishermen that would bring in daily catches. We would process it, local regional distribution, got into exporting, which really accelerated our growth. So we were exporting all over Asia, uh, mostly Asia, but also into Europe. And um, that's how I got started in food industry and global food industry. I ended up going into consulting. Uh, there were a lot of other American companies that would contact me uh, through the U.S. government trade groups, and they would ask me to help them get their products and brands into Asia. And that was the reason I moved to Korea six years ago was uh, to find more importers and distributors of American food and American food brands. Um, and then when I got to Korea, I started negotiating um, a restaurant franchise from a, a, a well-known restaurant franchise from 
from New York. And uh, I ended up closing that deal, stopped everything else and just started focusing on building this restaurant franchise in, in Korea. That led me to try to bring more uh, restaurant brands and franchises from the States. And that's when I met my co-founder because I had an intern that was a friend of his from university uh, that introduced me to my current co-founder. My current co-founder was a student in Korea University. He wanted to enter a social impact startup competition um, and he had concerns about food waste. He didn't have industry experience. So he asked me to help kind of consult or mentor him. As we were doing this, we both realized that this could be something really big. So we both started working on it full time and that was uh, about three years ago. Okay, so you stopped the franchise business as well? I stopped that as well, right. I got on that, yeah. Okay, so, what, what, fran- what names? Do you have a few names to share with us? Uh, it, it was called uh, the Halal Guys from New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're, they're in several countries now. Um, but they're, they started in New York and they're a major restaurant franchise now. Okay, so you stopped that too and uh, you went into this uh, startup business, first in Korea. So what's your take on the, the Korean um, startup ecosystem? Well, uh, when I first got into uh, the startup scene, I guess a little over three years ago, oh my God, it's, it's, it's grew and changed so much. You, you can just kind of see it in front of your eyes. Uh, at that time, in the beginning, the word startup in Korea was, was not many people knew it. I mean, now everyone knows what startup is. And at the time, there wasn't much support. But, it, you know, the, the Korean government started putting so much, uh, so much money into startup, the startup ecosystem here. Um, with funding and with government grants and with just support. And even for foreigners, uh, they have a lot of support for foreigners, you know, like myself, and, and we, we've used that support. And um, it's really helped, you know, people like us and, and people, anyone in Korea have access to, if they want to, if they have an idea and they want to try something out, there's so much support here. There's, as you know, there's so many co-working spaces. Uh, there's just... The ecosystem here is amazing, and I'm I'm pretty certain it's got to be one of the best in the world. And I'm pretty sure the Korean government is probably one of the best in the world in supporting startups. Uh, with that said, a- as you probably know, the competitive nature of Koreans, uh, because of that all that support, everyone has been getting into it. So now the competition has uh, there's just so much competition now. So if you have um, a product or if you have a startup. And um, it does well, maybe, maybe if it's not proprietary, someone will try to copy it, or it's just, um, there might be a lot of similar things going on. So there is that huge competition that, that's very typical in Korea, but uh, you know, again, that competition would, would, would push you to work harder. Yeah, I guess, yeah. And um, if you compare with the Indonesian uh, startup market now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's very different. Uh, Indonesia is um, it's just starting. I mean, obviously, there's Indonesia has a lot of unicorns because the market's so big, so they have a lot of unicorns. Uh, and startup, the startup, the startup scene is growing over there, and uh, there's not as much support, and the ecosystem is not where Korea, where it is, uh, as Korea is. Um, but I can see we can see it growing as we speak, and uh, there's more and more support for startups going on. So I'm pretty excited. It's really good timing for us because I'm pretty excited where it's going to be in the next couple of years, the startup ecosystem over there. And with VCs too, a few years ago, there were very little VCs, but now there's a lot of VCs um, in Indonesia and a lot, of, uh, a lot of foreign investment, a lot of foreign investors, a lot of foreign VCs looking into Indonesia. So uh, it's a pretty exciting time and a pretty exciting market. And we're, we're hopefully we're part of that wave. 
Okay, so as you said, soon you're going to move uh, uh, all all of you. The, the 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 few remaining in Korea will move to um, uh, Indonesia. That will become your 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 main market, if not only market for for a while. Um, uh, are you going to keep some links with Korea, or you're really starting French fresh from Indonesia? Uh, we're pretty much starting fresh. Uh, Korea, we, we of course we still have um, you know our contacts in Korea for future business, but. Uh, as far as operations and focus, it's, it's strictly Indonesia. Of course, we're taking what we learned and what we did in Korea. Um, you know, we did learn a lot and uh, we, we, we did a lot and it was, it was very exciting for us. And so we, we are taking what we learned. But as far as operationally, uh, you know, well, now it's been, um, it's, it's actually been almost a year since we started pilot testing. Uh, now that I think about it. So, yeah. So since you started you know, what? since we started pilot testing it's almost been a year in indonesia yeah. we started pilot testing last may so okay. uh, just about a year uh, so yeah it, it is kind of starting fresh but um the growth is just so much faster right now for us yeah yeah makes sense okay well thanks very much lean for your time um yeah well we hope you're gonna close this seed founding uh, very soon and uh we hope you'll let us know one way or the other um just to wrap up any announcement anything you want to share with uh, with our community with our audience um i mean just uh in in terms of the startup scene and in terms of social impact social impact is growing a lot so it's 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 uh, great that people are looking at social impact startups because uh, one of the things that we got, I got my founder, my founder, our co-founder and I got into startups is because, yeah, we want to do business. We want to make money. We want to make a lot of profit, but at the same time to make profit for a cause like social impact startups, it just makes it all that much better because you're making profit, but you're also doing something really good for the world. And, uh, uh, I'm excited to see a lot more social impact startups come up and do big things. So yeah, um, hopefully people will be on the lookout for that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, now you mentioned that um, La French Tech, so La French Tech, which is the organization that we partner with for this podcast, they're organizing Tech for Good. Uh, Tech for Good will be an online event this year, of course, like every event is online. Uh, it's going to be an online event featuring some startups and some other players of the ecosystem uh, focusing on Tech for Good. So yeah, for people interested in everything related to that kind of of activities yeah. uh don't 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 forget to uh, uh register to to that uh on the la french tech website yeah and i i, I will be pitching there and we will have a booth uh, we will have a booth there as well a virtual booth so okay you got me so you will please. be pitching there okay <laughs> yeah, it would be great it would be great if people uh, had questions or content wanted to contact me and find out more please uh feel free perfect thank you very much lynn and uh we'll talk to you soon Thank you for having me. It was very, it was, it was, it was amazing. Thank you again. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Feel free to share it with your friends. You can also join La French Tech Soul by registering on their website at lafrenchtechsoul.com and stay tuned for the next episode.